Hi, I'm Erica Ramirez, founder of Illy and host of What About Your Friends, a podcast dedicated to the many lives of friendship and how it's portrayed in pop culture. Every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, I talk to my best friend, Stephen Othello, and your favorites from within the Ringer and beyond about friendships on TV, in movies, pop culture, and our real lives. So join me every Wednesday on the Ringer Dish feed, where we try to answer the question TLC asked back in the day, what about your friends? This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Experience the thrilling burst of delicious cherry flavor with the crisp and refreshing Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in zero sugar, diet, and mini cans. Pepsi Wild Cherry is the perfect way to indulge your wild side. From a Friday night binge watch to a raucous evening of pizza and sweatpants with your friends. Pepsi Wild Cherry lets everyone get wild their way. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This episode is brought to you by Lululemon. Guys, if you're ready for a new pair of pants, try one of Lululemon's ABC pants. They're made to make you look and feel good. And there's lots of different styles to choose from. My favorite, because I walk around LA every day, I like the joggers. I'm not jogging, I'm just walking fast. But if you're working out, I would try them out. And if you want something a little sleek, maybe business-like, maybe try the ABC Slim Fit Trouser. But I am a joggers guy. I just, once COVID happened, I was just like, I'm, I want to wear jogging pants and joggers and all kinds of soft pants as much as I possibly can, especially when I'm working out. Ultra comfortable and versatile. ABC pants are really in a league of their own. Buy a pair right now at lululemon.com. gentlemen welcome back to the death taxes and bananas podcast now we have officially hit the challenge off season which in this day and age i didn't even know was possible uh it seems like there are more seasons now of the challenge than there are episodes of ridiculousness but there is a lull all right so in this in these down times what i decided to do was branch out a little bit uh to other franchises reach across the aisle, if you will, and uh, bring some other reality shows slash stars onto the Death Taxes and Bananas podcast. Now, reality television is a very, very difficult industry uh, to find success in. I somehow seem to have uh, stumbled across it on MTV and The Challenge, but my next guest has managed to do it on ABC's The Bachelorette, Bachelor in Paradise, where he is now the bartender. He's on a show called Best in Dough on Hulu, has his own podcast with Tyler Florence called Two Dudes in a Kitchen and another podcast, your favorite thing with Wells and Brandy, a true reality television renaissance man. Ladies and gentlemen, give it up for my next guest, Mr. Wells Adams. Why do you got to embarrass me with the sound effects on my own podcast, dude? By the way, that was not my sound effect. That was that was Wells. I've got, I've got it here, and I felt like it was an appropriate time to use it. Uh, oh, Johnny, man, it's so good to see you. It's been a while. You know, I saw something on, what's the new Instagram? Threads. Threads. I saw something on Threads, and, I, and also on Twitter, where it was like, 
villains from reality shows are going on another show that's got a bunch of villains on it. And I saw that you were like potentially maybe going to be on this show. Can you believe that me being cast as a villain? Well, here's it. No, I, that's what I, that's what I wanted to bring up. I don't think of you as a villain. I really don't like, thanks man. Sarah and I watch the challenge and maybe it's because I know you and I've worked with you and I, I we're friends, but like, we don't watch the challenge and think Johnny's the bad guy on this show. Maybe like before we started watching it, you were the bad guy or like that one time that like you and your partner won, you decided not to give her half the money. Like maybe you were the bad guy, but I don't think of you as the villain. Now I think of you as the guy who actually is like super revered by everyone in the challenge world. Like all the rookies are all like scared of you. Um, they also like all respect your game. I think you're really, really good when it comes to the politics of that game. And I think if you're a villain, you can't be good at politics because everyone would fucking hate you. So I don't really understand. Like I understand Tom Sandoval being a villain. I don't understand Johnny Bananas being a villain. Well, thank you for just ruining all of the street cred I ever had, Wells. <laughs> All right. But I appreciate that. And I tell people that all the time. Listen, people who really know me, I I get it. I've been on, I've grown up on reality television, dude. I've been on reality TV since I was 23 years old. I'm like, I'm like Jim Carrey from the Truman Show. There isn't a person out there that in their 20s, early 30s did not have some asshole moments. Unfortunately, I just had mine all on reality TV. Learned my lessons, you know, took some, some bumps and bruises along the way. I feel like I'm a better man for it. But anyone that knows me, anyone that's, you know, friends, family knows me off the show, knows the real me, knows that the person I am on TV, while it's the same me, it's just a more in-your-face, over-the-top, colorful, animated version of yourself. You know as well as I do, playing patty cake on reality television does not, does not move the needle, all right? It's being abrasive. It's being confrontational. It's being combative. So that's just the way that I am. And that's just, you know, kind of what I've, uh, the role I've grown into over the years. Um, But if you and Sarah are such big fans of mine, what happened to my wedding invite, dude? You, you got invited. (laughs) What are you talking about? You decided not to come. (laughs) And I remember uh, last time I saw you, I was in New York and we were both doing uh, Chicks in the Office at Barstool. Yep. And the, the that, girls... That's a podcast, okay? Me and him, we're not actually doing chicks in the office. I just want to make sure that <laughs> yeah, we... Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Barstool podcast. Was later at Brazzers, uh, yes. but that was in Jersey. Come on. Correct. Correct. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I was like, hey, man, like, I haven't seen you. I wish you could have made it to the, to the wedding. And I remember the girls from Chicks in the Office were like, wait, hold on. Johnny, you were invited to his wedding and you didn't go. And I was like, yeah, I know. It's hurt. It was a tough ticket to get, too. I fucked up. Listen, but you know what, Wells? You did yourself a favor. I'm a bad wedding invite, okay? Um, <laughs> no, I would have been, been <laughs> I would have been like the drunk uncle. All right, I would have embarrassed your drunk uncle. And honestly, dude, me, me rolling up there solo, dude, I, you probably would have had a, me as a brother-in-law after the wedding was over. So you dodged the bullet there, my friend. We had this one table um, called, we, we, you know how like, well, I don't know if you, you wouldn't know this, but when you're planning a wedding, you like try to figure out where everyone's sitting. And so there was... <laughs> One table that was really all celebrities. The um, outcasts? Yeah, well, but we called it Sexbot Island because oh. it was like everyone was like single and like famous and oh. so hot. And you were supposed to be at Sexbot Island. And yeah, I think you were supposed to be next to like um, Sean White and, and Nina DeBrev and 
Kevin Zegers from Airbud, and then he was supposed to be you, and you were going to be right there in the middle of Sexbot Island. But you know what? You had decided to go to like your like high school buddy's wedding, and that's and that's fine. Rub it in, why don't you? <laughs> when are you guys? When's the vow renewal? Are we going to do Sexbot <laughs> Island again? When when are we ruin, renewing our vows? I know that usually is like ten years from now, but can we do it sooner just so I can go back and uh, experience what I missed out on? I mean, as much money as that as Sarah has made on Modern Family and I've made on The Bachelor, I'm not sure if we're ever going to financially recover from this wedding. Yeah. I, I got to be honest with you. So I, it's going to be a while. I always get uh, cameo requests, right? People are like, oh, can you give me a shout out for like my wedding and stuff? And I'm like, listen, you have accomplished something that even the great Johnny Bananas has not accomplished and that is get together and get married. In fact, if I ever show up to a challenge and teacher's like, all right, bananas, the theme this season is get engaged and get married. I ain't taking home my eighth win on that one. Well, it ain't happening. Johnny, that's my show. <laughs> you come on my show to go do that. Which we're going to get into because that almost happened, my friend. Now, while we're on the topic of, uh, of, of your wedding, greater moment in your life, greatest moment in your life, if you had to choose one, you getting married to the love of your life, you beating me on worst cooks in America. <laughs> well, I think for like, you know, my sexual prosperity over the next <laughs> couple of months, I'm going to say getting married to Sarah Highland in front of uh, our friends and family and, and God uh, was number one. But a close second, 1A would definitely have to be beating Johnny Bananas at a competition style show because that doesn't happen very often. I mean, it does not. There are very and, few people. And Johnny will it. Johnny will tell you. He, listen, Johnny's a lot of things, but like humble, that's not one of them. And he will let you know that he is. It's like Tom Brady and Johnny Bananas, who are the goats of their industry. No one has more rings in the challenge world and in competition TV shows than Johnny Bananas. And me beating him on TV was, I gotta say, one of the highlights of my life. I mean, they do say Tom Brady is the Johnny Bananas of the NFL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Tom Brady wears Johnny Bananas underwear. He does, dude. <laughs> Pajamas. He, he yeah. shops my merch all the time. <laughs> um, so, all right, you're married now. How How's married life? I mean, how, how are we doing? How are we living? I mean, is, it, is this a, uh, obviously, I mean, the two of you have found major success in two completely different industries. Um, how have you guys managed to... I guess, be able to combine your two worlds and kind of, uh, you know, use that to push in the same direction here. Yeah. I mean, it's been, it's been great being married. Uh, one of the things that I always say that's like, uh, they don't really tell you about when you're getting married, but one of the big perks is it's really nice to have a teammate. That's kind of like always like in your corner, like, yes, like the love and the romance and the security and all that kind of, kind of stuff is great. But like having someone that's like, Hey, you're too drunk at this party. Let's get the hell out of here. Let me help you home. That's important. All right. And a good teammate will do that. Or a good teammate will be like, we're at, you know, you're at some party or something and you're like, I don't know that guy's name. Um, but I think that they're important. We got to go talk to them and they'll be like, don't worry, I'll go figure out what their name is. And it's, Hey, I'm Sarah. What's your name? Like a me, you know, like that kind of stuff is mwah, chef's kiss. Like it's really, really, uh, you invaluable. forget someone's name and you're like, can you go introduce yourself? So they'll say their name. So I don't look like an idiot. Not knowing. Yeah. I always go like, you've met my wife, Sarah. Right. And then they'll be like, Hey, I'm Johnny. And you're like, Oh, John, that's what it was. Um, so yeah, marriage life is great. And 
Yeah, so you're like, saying oh, a good partner. So you're saying a good partner is not someone that, like, say you're on reality TV, would go onto a reality television show and hook up with somebody else. Well, I mean, it has happened before and it'll happen again. Who knows? Sometimes it just takes people a couple more times on those reality TV shows to like make the right life decisions. But I will say this though. I mean, Sarah's an, she's an actress and you know, she was on modern family and um, she's on bumper in Berlin with Adam divine, but she is starting to um, kind of poach into my world, which I'm not loving so much. She's now the host of love Island USA. Yep. Heard, which, I heard about that. So we really are cornering the market on like trashy dating shows on beaches these days, which is, which is great. Well, listen, I already tried. Listen, I already took a shot at going on paradise. Didn't work out all that well. We were there. We were almost there. It was are almost, we are we, are we talking about that? We almost got the football into the end zone. Yes. We're <laughs> yeah. talking about it. Okay. okay. But, um, you know, timing didn't work all, all that well. I think the creative aspect was a little tough to tackle. Uh, unlike the challenge, I think Bachelor Nation is a little more um, uh, inclusive with who they cast. They don't really allow outside talent in, but would have been great. How would I have done on Paradise if I would have just came in with a date card? Would I have would I have made it past a week? Absolutely. And I would have made sure of that, too, because I would have vouched for you. Thanks, man. Yeah. I mean, like, put in a good I, word. I, I, if you want to talk about it, I can, we can talk about the entire thing. I don't know if like that ship has sailed for you and like, you don't want that, that information out there. No, nope, it has not sailed. In fact, in fact, the ship was docked at the Harbor for a while, yeah. but recently we've cut anchor and now I'm back out to sea, dude. I'm a seaman yeah. out hitting the high seas, my friend. Well, yeah, I will say this though. I, I was kind of a part of the trying to get you on the show and what we were very close. I, we had the creative completely down pat of how we get you on the show. And that was vis-a-vis -vis me because I could say, listen, I, I know this guy, I vouch for this guy. I, I think he should be here. And I, I'm like, it, it was, it was, it came down to you did too well on another show and we couldn't get you over to the beach in time. That's what it came down to from what I understand talking yeah. to EPs. So that's the <laughs> thing, man. I was, I know, well, cause you know, for me it was a risk. Okay. So I had two, uh, there was the challenge rider dies, which was basically overlapping the filming schedule of paradise. And yes. it was like, all right, do I go on the challenge where I know that I'm probably going to be there the entire time? I know what, I know the realm, I know what's going on or do I go on to paradise uh, with a date card and potentially make it a week? So I don't know, man. It was, I don't know. I'm still to this day being like, was that the right move? Because it would have put me into a whole different realm or, or not. But I mean, nonetheless, I think uh, it would have been an amazing season. I remember talking to production every day being like, does Johnny have his phone back? Does Johnny have his phone back? Does Johnny have his phone back? Like hoping. And, and it was weird because I, I understood what was happening. Like the longer you stay on the challenge, the closer you are to winning. And then I yeah. remember watching back that show and you got so close. Yeah. You just like screw up the, 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 the blocks game. You, you screw up like the first layer or something. 97 and it was like, hours into a hundred hour long finals yeah. where it all went wrong, dude. Yeah. And so I was, cause I was like, well, listen, if he doesn't come on to paradise, that's, that means he's doing well. And like, I'm always rooting for Johnny to win the, the challenge. Um, and then to see you trip like on the, on like the yeah. finish line was a bummer. And you know, you never know how like paradise is going to go. I mean, it's so much dependent upon 
um, the relationships that you forge with the other people there. You're obviously very good at that with like, you know, your political game on the challenge, but it's a little bit different when it's, it's truly dependent upon, you know, a relationship, uh, you know, a sexual relationship forming, uh, compared to like, everyone likes me on the show. Yeah. I have a very difficult time forming, um, those types of relationships as well. Yeah, Right. Mm hmm. I'm just saying, man, I would have, I, and you know what, with me going on, you being my, my, you know, my confidant, the bartender, you know, you could have steered me in the right direction. Cause sometimes I need that. Sometimes I'm like, instead of being like a beam that's focused in one direction, I'm kind of like a gamma ray that just sprays energy in all directions. So you would have helped yeah. me like, you know, focus in and who knows, maybe I would have been the next Benachler. I mean, the, the, nothing would make me more pleased. And also like it, it, when I'm, there's like a part of me that wants you to cut this entire thing because I want this to still happen. It will. But like, we're going to make it like, happen. Here's the thing. I think that you would have been great on paradise for a couple of reasons. One, like you're in great shape. And so like you have to have your shirt off a lot on that show. You would have looked good Two, People would have been like, I could have brought this. I could have brought this old thing on. Yeah. Look at that. Now flex and show the abs. I saw the picture on Instagram like yesterday. So look at that. Come on, you dick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you mean mean these old things? Yeah, Yeah, those old things. What you would have looked good on TV. You would have done something for us that would have been great, which is you like you would have brought up the morale of that place, which is good. You also would have would have been confrontational, which let's be honest, like these new Gen Zers that are coming on the show, they're they're so concerned with how they look. And I have a theory on this. It's because they've lived the majority of their life performing for their friends on social media. So they have, they want to curate their persona, which is total BS usually. And you can smear like, this is not who this person really is. And you'd have brought in that, like just authentically you thing to the beach I think that I think a lot of girls would have been into you, but I would have been rooting for you to get your heart broken right at the last day because that me- that meant that maybe possibly we could have had bananas the bachelor. And then bringing in all those challenge fans over to network TV, oh, the ratings would have been ridiculous. I'm still holding out hope, dude. Me too. Peter, I hope you're listening. Um yeah. <laughs> Okay, so before you became what we're, we're let's Let's reel this back in, because this yeah. is about you today, Wells. Before yeah. you were the bartender on Bachelor in Paradise, you did uh, the Bachelorette in 2016. Now, I, I read about this. This is actually something you didn't tell me, but your brother was originally supposed to go on, but he was in a relationship. But then what happened? You ended up getting put in the role instead of him. So th- there became a time in which like, I got dumped and I was single and my brother was like, hey, I got cast to be on The Bachelorette eight years ago. And what happened was, is that the casting process for the show is really, really long. So he like met this person, this casting director uh, at Q's in uh, in Brentwood. And they came up, they're like, you'd be great for the show. But then like six months goes by in the casting um, situation. And finally at the end, my brother was like, listen, I- I'm now in a relationship. I don't want to go on the show. My brother's just one of those guys that... Um, like never loses a friend. And he stayed in contact with this casting director, her name's Melissa, for like eight years. And so when I became single, he was like, dude, 
I'm going to connect you with this casting director. This will be, this will be great. And I was like, this will be the perfect radio bit. I'll go out there and I'll audition and I'll be too douchey for a show full of douches. And lo and behold, I was just like the right amount of douche. Oh man. They were like this guy, (laughs) like in, in the interview, I remember in the interview, I had these like two women who were like, you know, filming, filming me and asking me questions. I had them dying laughing. And I remember at the end they said, okay, what are you doing in, in March and April? And that's when I was like, oh no, like I've got, I've gone too deep. And at that point, um, so you're telling me you didn't actually go on the bachelorette to find for love? love? <laughs> Stop. I mean, this was all just fodder for your radio shows. <laughs> well, at, in the beginning, yes, because I was like, there's no way they're gonna they're gonna cast me. I'm you know 160 pounds dripping wet. Like everyone else has like great hair and abs from tits to taint, like Johnny does. There was like, there's no way that they're gonna have this this like hipster radio kid on this show. Uh, but I was like, but I am single and like, yeah. I was, I had been in like a three-year relationship and I, there Wes, was like a I mean, part- Wells, you're funny, man. You got a sense of humor. You know what they say? Make a girl laugh. You can make her do anything. There's yeah. a lot of guys I know. And I'll say this about <laughs> you because you're downplaying your attractiveness a little too much. All right. There's a few times on Worst Cooks when I drank a little bit too much of the alcohol that you brought mm-hmm. in that I ended up drinking. I started questioning some things about myself when you're hey, running listen. around that kitchen. So don't, you're playing, you're selling yourself short a little bit. Uh, but again, funny guy. Well, I appreciate that. Yeah. So, I mean, like there was a part of me that was like, I, I, uh, like who knows, maybe this will work. Like it wasn't totally like there for the wrong reasons. I was like, yeah, you know, but in the beginning when I was doing the casting, I was like, there's no way I'm going to get on this show. And then when I did, I was, I said to myself, okay, well, let's just see how this works. And it became pretty evident pretty quickly on the show that I wasn't Jojo's cup of tea. She had a type and they all looked exactly the same. Was his name, what did his name rhyme with rad? Well, kind of. (laughs) So yeah. What a legend. Listen, what was it like? I'm sorry, man, but (laughs) holy shit. I've lived in a house with some absolute unhinged fucking lunatics. And I remember that season when he was on, I was like, dude, Chad, this guy is, this guy is the real deal. You can't, you can't script that, dude. Yeah, Bad Chad was was Bad the Chad. villain on our season, and there were a lot of times when I was like, to production, I said, "This has got to be an actor. There's no way that this person's a real life person." You planted like it. the things that he's saying, the things that he's doing makes no sense. And like, come to find out, when they cast him, he didn't look like he did when he came to the show he looked like a normal guy. And then I guess in, in once he got cast, he started doing some steroids and stopped (laughs) eating carbs (laughs) and came there very unhinged. He was always hangry because he like would just eat protein. I think he clogged the toilet a lot because of that. And the other thing, the other thing was, uh, was he couldn't drink very well. And I think that's because he wasn't eating a lot. Like he would have, I used to make old fashioned, how I got the bartender job is I used to make old fashions for everyone on the show. And he would have one of them and be like, we'd be like, whoa, dude, this guy is trash. Where I'm like seven old fashions in. I'm like, this is great. Let's go to the pool. And and I remember production was like, he can't drink. You give him (laughs) one drink and he just turns into this maniac because he hasn't eaten a carb since the Clinton administration. Like it was. That'll do it. 
it was bonkers. But like he also- It's like drinking at altitude. You know what I mean? Have you ever, yes. have you ever been like, like 11,000 feet? You have one drink and you're like, I am fucked up. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. how, yeah, it's the same thing. Yeah, but he did also make amazing, like when I look back, like the producer part of me now, I look back, I'm like, he made some fantastic television. He told, he told a girl with one arm that she was a one-armed bitch. Like, you can't say that on no. TV, no. but he did it. He, he did. told Chris Harrison to, sh <laughs> he told the entire staff and Chris Harrison uh, to go fuck themselves. And then he told Chris Harrison to go back to his hotel room, put on his cotton robe and drink mimosas and get the fuck out of here. Like, like, can you imagine someone saying that to TJ? Like, no. A challenge? No. Like, hey, TJ, go fuck yourself and go put on a robe and drink mimosas. I, mean, I, I do tell him to suck my ass all the time, but but we are in that, it's not in a, uh, it's not in an adversarial type yeah, of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you no. guys are boys And I did tell him that his, his mom holds the most, um, uh, rec the record for the most World Cups in soccer won too during a trivia challenge, but I digress. <laughs> Was this before? Let me ask you this. You've been on the show for a long time. Have you always yeah. done psychological profiles before you went on? Because I remember back in the day on the challenge, they were just like, who's the most unhinged lunatic we could cast? That's what we're going to do. But then... You know, then o o over time, like you said, things started to change. What was ex what was acceptable on TV kind of evolved a little bit. And they were like, all right, we have to, for our own protection, start pro psychologically profiling these cast members. Yeah. If not, we're going to be liable if they do something crazy. But what I say is the way they cast them now, they look at the psychological profile and there's like, all right, where is unhinged psychotic? What level is yeah. that at? <laughs> we want to cast one rung down yeah. from there almost uncastable but like right right on the borderline you know what i mean just just toeing the line so he but he was probably back in the day before that happened he probably was like he didn't just cross line he like threw up on it yeah and i think it happened i i, I think that steroids changed him a little bit and so yeah i think well, you know cast i mean you seem like a, a guy that's pretty roided up you you'd know oh, yeah. i mean what kind of effect <laughs> do they have on like the human psyche uh, yeah, I take peptides all the time. Uh, HGH. Little, put a little D-ball. Yeah, yeah. attaboy. No, but uh, I, I, I would say that um, you're right. Like you cast, you cast for the show that you're making. The way that I think that The Bachelor and The Bachelorette and Bachelor in Paradise work is you, you cast different characters. So you have like the Neanderthal idiots, you know, big muscle bound. You. Doofus. Mm -hmm. Yep, Me, Wells, yes. Wells Adams. And then you also have the funny guy. You have the hipster. You have the nerd. You have the rich guy. You have the, you know, the whatever. You you cast all that out. So then you have like a kind of a good representation of society, I think, is generally how we do it. And A then, good cross-section. We want a yeah. cross-section. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, you, you do love- a little a, bit of everything. So everyone has someone to relate to. Yeah, exactly. Because the audience is, you're hoping the audience sees themselves in the cast, right? So that's why you want to have kind of a, a diverse uh, palette of idiots running around that beach. So there's a lot of, I think, parallels and similarities between the challenge and Bachelor and Bachelorette and Paradise, whatever. More so, I think Paradise, though, I think is a little more relatable to the challenge because there is an element of like competition, I guess. And it is a little more like, you know, kind of hang out by the pool and run around in your bikini type situation. Uh, alcohol's involved as well. But I will say this about the challenge. The challenge is there is very little, if any, produ producer influence at all. Not scripted, 
is that a lot of times that's a critique that like the bachelor and bachelor et get is whoever ends up at the end, the people at the end aren't necessarily there because who they are. They're there because that's who production wants to be there. How much, how much producer influence is there on your show as opposed to mine? I don't know. I haven't been on yours, but I, I think one of the big misconceptions is that the show is like overly produced. Like one of the things that a lot of people say to me is like, it's scripted, right? And I'm like, do, have you met, have you seen these people? You think these, these people could remember lines? Like they're just kind of living their lives. I don't mean scripted as far as they're being told exactly what to say, but it's more like they're being told what to do or, or do they know what the show wants? Is it almost like, Hey, you know, wink, wink. If you guys want to stay, you have you can't make a joke about this situation and you have to pretend like you are actually here to find love and get married to some stranger you just met a month ago. No, I don't think so at all, actually. I, I it's very much like whoever you want to be with, you get to go be you go be with. And I, I think actually what ends up happening on our show is it's less about the producers trying to manipulate the situation and more about the cast trying to manipulate the situation for themselves. Yes. Like, okay. I'm so-and-so, I want to date the that one because she has the most Instagram followers. You know, like, I, that's that's my motivation, where you're like, well, that's, but you might not have a real connection with them. They don't say that stuff out loud, but you can kind of read the forest for the trees, and that's a little bit of, like, that you're not there for the right reasons. Is like, I don't believe this. But, the, you know, inevitably on our show, there's, like, three or four couples that are really cute and really do love each other, and you're rooting for them to get to the finish line and get engaged or leave together. That's kind of what we're what we're vying for. Everyone else, it's just like, I don't know, date around, see what happens. And it's not like producers are like, we would really love, you know, John and Susie to get together at the end. That would be great. No, it's not, it's not like that. It's more of, we want John to find the person that he would get engaged to. So you're saying that production had nothing to do with Chad's early exit because I cannot figure <laughs> out how the bachelorette would not want to run away and spend the rest of her life with that guy. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, what I tell you what happened in that particular situation, uh, kind of was a long time ago, it was pretty evident to all of us that Jojo liked Jordan. Like, we all knew it was Jordan and then all of us. So, and I knew it. I used to say it in the interview chair. I was like, he's the front runner. I'm just holding on for dear life. Let's see how, how, see how long I can last in this thing. It squeezes yep. as much lemon out of this. Juice. You were like the encased of emergency break glass guy. Yeah. Well, honestly, what I was on that show, looking back, I was the funny narrator guy. I was in the chair a lot doing interviews. Bro, and when I tell you, I say this every season of the challenge. You want to know who the most important people to the show are? Who narrates the show? Because yeah. that's another thing that has been lost, okay, in what in 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 the casting these days. And I'm, I, it might be different with The Bachelor and The Bachelorette, but especially like on the challenge, they are casting anyone and everyone who's ever been on a reality television show. And the problem is, okay, yeah, you're going to get attractive, somewhat athletic people on this show who are going to be there and potentially make bad decisions. But if they're not charismatic, if they're not funny, if they can't narrate, if they're not strategic, if they don't have all these other boxes checked, then they're worthless. And that's why you watch so many of these shows. And it's like the people who narrate and the narrators of the show, the ones that drive the show are the most important ones to the franchise. So I yeah. mean, again, dude, if you can do that, if that's what your role is on the season, that is a very important, important piece of the puzzle. 
I, and I think, I think that's what paradise is. I always say it's, this is our all-star team. So it's everyone who's really good in the chair. Everyone who's very expressive, really good. In the, the ones who, and that too, uh, they're the ones who get the first crack at coming to paradise generally coming now, on paradise. Yeah. Or all over it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, this, is a kid, go, go, this is a kid show. Watch your mouth. Well, <laughs> you've got a hat that says fuck around and find out. I don't believe that to be true. <laughs> um, but going back to the chat of it all, Chad's mistake was, is that he threatened Jordan and Jordan was the front runner. And the second uh, that Jojo heard about that, she was like, I'm cutting ties. And that was the big, big mistake that happened. That was it. Uh. Yeah. Don't threaten JoJo's number one. Don't do it. Week six, you made it to week six, and then you were gone. What happened? So, uh, I mean, where'd you go wrong? Did you try and beat up Jordan too, or or, or challenge him to a fisticuffs? Or it's really funny. I got into a big argument with Jordan the night before I got kicked off the show. Um, there you go. And it, there, it never there's made your mistake. Air. I there's know. Your mistake. It, it was funny because it never made air. We didn't have cameras on it. And they wanted me to talk about it the next day. And I wouldn't because I was like, I'm not here to just to talk shit about people. I don't really care. And Jordan and I are, are, are fine. We both got like very, very drunk. We were in Argentina. We got very, very drunk on some, um, some red wine and like got into a big argument over poker. So it was like really stupid. But yeah, I'm, my fault was everyone liked me a lot, um, except the one person that I think I needed to convince to like me and that was the lead of the show in jojo so i never got yeah it's kind of yeah (laughs) so like like the the cast loved me production loved me like crew loved me just not the girl what happened was is that i got so you have two types of dates on the voucher you have group dates where like a bunch of guys go or a bunch of girls go and then there's one-on-ones and that's when you just it's just you and the lead and you go and do something super romantic or whatnot and I never got invited on a one-on-one. You she did, was exploring you, were, you just got invited on the gangbangs. Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes. I was a towel guy. Uh, <laughs> so, so I never was alone with this woman. Yeah. And, and so we, we, and I go far, but like, I never am alone with this woman. So I'm never able to like make out with her. And when I am like with her, I'm with, there's a bunch of guys around and it's kind of like an unspoken rule. You're not supposed to like kind of make out with everyone else around you. Yeah, that and, would be weird. PDAs are never, PDAs are never good. No. And so I, I get all the way to Argentina and she drops off this card that says like Besame Besame Muchacho, which means kiss me, kiss me, kiss me, dipshit. And uh, so all the guys are like, that's an interesting date card. Wait, she dropped and this I, off to you. Yeah, because like the way that you get invited on dates is a like they, card they leave that a said, date. Kiss card. me, kiss me, dickhead, and you didn't kiss her. Well, so so then they were like, why does it say that? And I was like, I haven't made out with her. And everyone was like, you haven't made out with her. We've all made out. And I was like, yeah, because all you guys have had one-on-ones and like have been alone. I've never been alone with this person. There's no way to like pull her off. Like if you guys are all in the house together, you can't be like, hey, let me let me show you my my train collection. There was one time I remember there's one time when I like got I, I pulled her aside and I thought like, okay, I think, I think I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to go for it. Fucking dirty, and I remember, dirty Mac and central. Yeah. At, we were at Pittsburgh stadium. We played a, a football game 
And I pulled her aside and a producer saw that came and like split us apart. And then I was like, oh, did they want my story to be the guy that didn't kiss her? Uh. And so, so then it became, like I became really uh, in my head about it. And then I think that they really perpetuated that because then it becomes what a weird, funny storyline. But for me, it was a little emasculating because I was like, I I had no problem making out with hot chicks. Like, I just haven't had the opportunity. So, so yeah, we go on this weird date in Argentina. I'm so hungover because Jordan and I played poker at like four in the morning and yelled at each other. Poker the game? Poker like the the, the game at the chips or poker? um... No, I... You haven't been listening. I wasn't poking anything on this show. Okay, <laughs> kept me away from any holes. Well, you said you said you you ended up in Argentina, so I wasn't <laughs> sure if you guys just I don't hit the night hit the town. You know, yeah, it's a very progressive city. Yeah. So yeah, so that's that's kind of what happened. We went on this date. We end up do making out, and effectively, she ends up saying like, "I think that we're too far behind everybody else." And I was mm. like, "Yeah, I know. Don't worry about it." You're so then like, I left. She's like, "I've I'm, I've been to third base with these guys. You've been in the batting cage this entire time, buddy." No, I haven't even been invited into the stadium yet. <laughs> like, <laughs> I didn't even know there was a baseball game happening. <laughs> You're still at the store buying your cleats <laughs> yeah. with your mom. Your mom's like, well, these fit well. These are on sale. What size are you? Uh, yeah, we got these Mizuno cups. For yeah, you. there you go. You got a cup. You wear an extra small. <laughs> extra small. Petite. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Experience the thrilling burst of delicious cherry flavor with the crisp and refreshing Pepsi Wild Cherry. Also available in zero sugar, diet, and mini cans. Pepsi Wild Cherry is the perfect way to indulge your wild side. From a Friday night binge watch to a raucous evening of pizza and sweatpants with your friends. Pepsi Wild Cherry lets everyone get wild their way. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. This episode is brought to you by Empower. You got money questions like, can I retire early? What are my best savings options? Can I afford to pay for my kid's education? Luckily, Empower has all the answers. With Empower's real-time dashboard and real live conversations, you get clarity on your real-life financial goals. So join 18 million Americans and empower what's next. Start today at empower.com. Tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. Sponsored by Empower, not an endorsement or a statement of satisfaction by a client. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. I was going to ask you, were you like next in line, like succession to be at all to be the bachelor? But after, I guess, seeing as long as it took for you to seal the deal, they were probably like, dude, no, there's going to be zero. I was, a, you know, I was a fan favorite for sure. And there was a, like a, a lot of people wanted me to be the bachelor. I, I think that the heads of the studio and of the show were not super into it, but um, 
a production was like all, a lot of producers. So I remember having a conference. I never got offered a contract, but I got talked to by EPs that I was in the running for it. Um, and I think that's what, so I went to bachelor in paradise three before I bartended and I went and dated three girls in four days. What I made out with what a coxman. Yeah. So then, and you're so like, then I, I ain't going to make the same mistake I made on bachelorette. Yeah. You're just like, you're just like kissing everything. You're, you're like the light socket. Fucking the, the yeah, exactly. producers, the bartender. <laughs> so I end up making out with a bunch of, of women, like three girls in four days. I like, and, and I went on three different dates in, in four days. They were calling me the bachelor in paradise. And it, it, when looking back, I think about it, it was an audition to see if I could handle doing, you know, a date every single day, not really sleeping, wielding around a bunch of girls. And I wasn't really, I wasn't super into it. It was, it had more to do with like, I was like, I'm in Mexico. I want to chill out and have a beer. You guys yeah. keep on making me go on these dates. Like it's fun. Yeah. But you can jerks. I, chill? I just want to <laughs> chill. I don't want to hang out with chicks and make out with them and do stuff. <laughs> well, like actually I, I did the first two days. The third one, I was like, guys, I haven't slept in like three years. dude. I need, to I need some sleep. Uh, oh, but anyway, wow, so, so I, I, that happened and I did not. It's funny because, you know, we have these after shows and anyone who's going to be the the next bachelor gets what's called a hot seat. You sit down with the host and you talk about stuff. And I filmed one. And uh, and when it aired like a month later, they cut me from it. And that's when I was like, all right, not going to be the bachelor. That's fine. And but then but I, then to, I, but you know what? You seem to have, you seem to have found I, in my opinion, an even better path, dude. I mean, listen, you obviously did something right. You booted out homeboy who had the job until you got yeah. there. <laughs> yeah. Poor and Jorge. again, a poor Jorge <laughs> and of all. And, and I mean, we've talked about this too, like, but you're like, dude, this is the most like coveted role because which the thing about a lot of reality television shows and they've all started those, but this is how the challenge has always been is the challenge has always been one of the only shows that continues to bring on the same talent season after season after season. And if you're good enough and you provide enough, you'll be the greatest of all time with seven rings and 22 seasons under your belt and 18 years. Um, yeah. So, and a and college degree with absolutely nothing to show for it. and great. <laughs> apps. Um, so you've almost, but, and, and it wasn't until I think just recently that other shows started following the same format where now they do like, you know, a survivor all-stars, they do a big brother all-stars, they do bachelor in paradise. So that role as bartender where you get this recurring role and you get to come back every season. I mean, dude, like that's, that's a pretty, that's a pretty good spot to be in. Yeah. You could have went on the bachelor, but who knows, dude, you might've, that might've been a one and done thing. You know, you, you've, you've got something that's going to continue bringing you on and continue keeping you on the screen and relevant. And they obviously, you know, you're doing something right. Oh, for sure. I would say that I have, I have the best job in the, the bachelor world. I mean, maybe Jesse has a little bit better of one cause he's got the, the hours or less, but for me, it's more fun. Cause I'm ingrained into, into the fabric yeah. of the show. I am a part of their, of, you know, everyone's story. Uh, whereas Jesse kind of is just like, hi, welcome to the beach. Here's your date card and stuff. But yeah, it's, um, I definitely hacked the system for sure. And I'm super grateful that it, it all worked out that, you know, the way it did. I mean, there was, so, but there was a time in which I, I hosted season seven. I was, I was the master of ceremonies and it was kind of, we were in flux between Chris and trying to figure out a new host. And, you know, I, I kind of fought for that role and, and didn't get it, but you know, 
who knows, maybe something even better's, you know, coming down the pipe. So people always ask me, they're like, you have done something. You've managed to take the same platform that's been given to, I mean, there's, I think at this point, there's over 300 people who've done the challenge. You've taken, you've had the same platform. Uh, you've been exposed to the exact same assets, whatever you want to call it, that everybody else has. But, but you're one of the only ones that has been able to take this challenge platform and parlay it into something major, a brand, notoriety, reality, television, immortality. What would you say that allowed, because you've kind of done the same thing with the, with, with, with the Bachelor and the Bachelorette franchise, you know, going on, on Paradise and being who you are. What would you attribute that to? What is it about you? What did you do? What do you feel like you're, uh, made you different than everyone else that's done this that has allowed you to, got, to have been given such a coveted role? You know, I was a radio host beforehand, and that's really just someone who's a good storyteller. Uh, and that's, I'm very good at that on my show for sure. I think that's something that's like invaluable. I'm also very easy to work with. Um, I, you know, I show up early. I am funny. I get the job done. I'm actually making all those drinks. It's not an easy job. It's hot and uh, out there. And then I think, um, I understand what the show is and how to best help make the show. And I think you probably know that as better than anyone. You're an embedded producer. I say that about myself all the time, dude. I, I play double duty. I show up on a cast member, but believe, but you make no mistake, dude, 90% of the storylines that are taking place on that show, I've either created or I have helped put the pieces together, get them going, or I have, you know, stirred the pot to uh, make them more controversial. But yeah, exactly, dude, the embedded. Once you're there long enough, you understand how the show works and you know how to make it and you know how to move it along. Yeah. And then and then you inevitably, I'm sure you do this too, you'll be sitting there filming, you'll be like five days into it and you'll be like, you guys are being so boring. Yes. Like, yes. come on, yes. what, are we, what are we doing here? Uh, get up, yell at somebody. They just took your girl on a date. Yell, what are you what are There we are so many people that show up on the challenge and they're just like, I'm on the happy to be here program. All oh, right. Yeah. And it's like, you guys don't. And then I get shit because like in, in certain situations, if people are arguing or if it's like, Oh my God, let's not, I'm always the one that like rips the bandaid off. I'm always the one that has the, that says the uncomfortable thing in a room that everyone's aware of. All right. Yeah. I'm the one that if two people are having a private little argument, I bring the camera crew and the whole house in to like, you know, turn a smoldering ember into an inferno. And while it's happening, I'm the one that like in very, very serious situations where everyone is like not joking around, I'm cracking fucking jokes. And in the moment, everyone's always like, oh my God, bananas, why do you do this? You're such a jerk off. But then once the show airs and once it's edited together, it's like they that's when they're like, okay, now we get why you're doing it. But people just don't know how to take that role and they don't know how to take that lead and, and do that. It's just like, you just got to be willing to do whatever everyone else is not willing to do. If everyone's going this direction, you go this direction. Only dead fish go with the flow. I have a, I have a pep talk with the cast before we do every season of Paradise. And inevitably, no one ever listens to me until the next year. But I always say, let me tell you what's going to happen. You're going to film this show and you're going to tiptoe around what you really want to say and what you really want to do because you're going to be worried about how you're going to be portrayed. Yep. And then this thing's going to air and you're not going to be on this TV show yep. and you're going to come to us and you're going to bitch about not being on a TV show that you were never on because you were too fucking boring. So let me tell you this. You're not going to probably get invited back next year. Okay? So be so good that you're on this show this year. 
and everyone's like, whatever, no, that's not going to happen. And then like clockwork, when the show starts airing, I get DMs. Dude, what happened? We had this whole, this whole t- chat one time about this thing. Where did it go? Dude, you were so forgettable. Nobody cares. Yeah. Nobody cares. You got it. You it's, it's, listen, man, it's this, it's friction. Okay. People want friction. You, you go to the grocery store, you look at all the magazines in the rack. All right. All these celebrity rag gossip magazines. They're not talking. They're not talking about how happy couples are. They're not talking about how, you know, how, how, how well-adjusted and great. No, it's always the smut. It's always the friction. It's always the drama. And it's like, that's what people want. And if you know how to give that to the people, then it's, it's a very simple recipe. It's just, there are so many people that aren't willing to take that step because like you said, they are so, especially in this day and age with social media and, you know, just the environment we're living in now, so many people are so afraid to be portrayed negatively or had mean tweets written about them or, you know, whatever it's, it's, I mean, I I get it, but at the same time, it's like, if you want to be successful in this industry, there's a lot of other people out there that are, there's a line of a million people waiting to take your job and you have to, uh, you got to do whatever you have to do. But I do want to, I want to say something because I think if I was listening to this podcast, I would, I would think that I'm talking about like wanting to manipulate cast to do things they wouldn't normally do. And that's not what I'm talking about. When I'm, when I usually get annoyed with the cast is when they act like they wouldn't normally in real life, it'll be like case in point. So-and-so took so-and-so on a date and she knows that I like that guy and she did this and that really hurts my feelings, but I don't want to say anything because I don't want to, I don't want to be rude. And then I'll say, but everyone's going to watch a show and be like, why didn't she say something? Because that's weird. Cause in a normal world, you'd say, Hey, so-and-so, why did you do that? You knew I liked him and you immediately took him on a date. That's messed up. I'm always like, that's the, a normal response to this stuff that you don't do. What pisses me off more than anything, this happens on the challenge all the time, is people will be having game conversations, strategic game conversations. Camera walks in, they clam up, they stop talking. And I'm like, you don't do that. The whole yeah. reason we're here without, they're <laughs> in here for a reason. They yeah. want to capture this because it's important for the show. All right. If you stop talking about it and you're trying to do everything in secret, then you're ruining the story. Then you, you, exactly, you're not you're not giving them what they want. That's what this is about. This is for us to play a game and for them to document it. Yeah. And it, I mean, in, in in a similar fashion, the same with you. All right. So your role as bartender is it essentially while you're there, just kind of giving relationship advice to helpless idiots on a dating show. Like like when people come up to you, is that are you are you kind of like trying to lead them, you know, in a certain direction? Or are you trying to give them advice? Like what are some of the like questions or issues that, that people have, have brought your way? Yeah, I think my role, uh, I mean like primarily, but really secondarily is to actually be a bartender. And so like someone actually has to make the drinks and, you know, denote who's drinking all kind of stuff, the nuts and bolts of it. And, you know, the liability they're putting on me, which is ridiculous. They don't pay me enough, but I, I do that. But I think mainly what my role is, is I'm, I'm what every bartender in the world is, which is a therapist. And so everyone comes to me and the way that I pitch it to everyone is, hey, listen, I was in your shoes or in your sandals. Uh, like I went on this beach. I dated a bunch of chicks. 
I know how scary it is to be on this TV show and not know how you're going to be portrayed on national television. Like I totally sympathize with this, with your situation. And I know the trepidations that you have going into this. So my job is to make sure that you make the best decisions you possibly can for yourself and for the show going forward. So any pitfalls that you've got, any concerns or whatever, like you need to come to me. Jesse's never been on the show. He doesn't know what it's like to be, you know, on Bachelor in Paradise, but I do. So come to me for those things. And it's funny because usually like the smart people will listen to me and they will have good experiences. It's the people that think that like my role is bullshit and don't listen always fail. And it's so fun. And I always am like, guys, I, I know what you're doing. Like I've been here before. Listen to me. You're like, guys, I'm like a Buddha in skinny jeans. You got to exactly. you got you to take what I say, you know, to heart. Yeah. So I, and that's kind of what I what I am. And then I'm all, also, you know, I, I am I have a front row seat to watch the dumpster fire burn. So I'm also telling the story of what's happening from my perspective. And then I'm also able to see the thing is that what, what your show doesn't have that sucks that mine does with me is is that when the cameras do come and everyone gets quiet and like doesn't want to say anything, then I can be there to be like, hey, guys, what's going on? I just got here. Can you tell me what's going on? Why are they crying over there? Who went on the date today? And then I can help kind of get the story out of them so then they can tell the story for the show. You're like the fearless leader. All right, so we're going to play We're going to play a little game here. It's it. called We Should Chill or Run for the Hills. Okay. So the way this game works, I'm going to pose you like a question, just, just, and not like, you know, just a question that maybe someone might come up, guy, girl, they come up to you and they're going to ask you a question about someone they might be interested in. And you tell them you should definitely chill with this person or you should run for the hills. Okay. I like it. All right. Someone comes up to you and says, Hey, I got a crush on this person. However, or we're dating, they have no future aspirations in life other than social media and reality television. Yeah. Uh, That's tough. I would say it depends if that person also wants to go and like post thirst traps and travel around and do diarrhea posts, diarrhea tea posts, then, then chill. If you don't want to do that and you want to go back and have a normal job and get married and have kids, you need to run for the hills. It's always amazing to me. Every season we have these, it's usually women, but sometimes guys, these women who are so incredibly hot and they come on the show and they get like a good following. And then they are just always traveling in Europe. And I'm like, I don't know how you, how can you afford this? I know I make more money than you do. I have three times as many followers as you do. I have three jobs. There's no way in the world I could be traveling around Mykonos right now. How are you doing this? Who do you think's paying for it? You think they're paying? Come on. You think they're paying for it? I don't, but I'm always like, smart this is- up. They go on a show all of a sudden they're on a yacht in Dubai. What I always exactly. love, have you ever seen the meme of all the girls like in Dubai on like this yacht in bikinis? And then it's like the person taking the picture and it's a bunch of like old fat guys in yeah. like, in like Speedos. Yeah. Multiple, someone who has had multiple showmances on reality television in the past. Is this somebody you should chill or run for the hills? I think it's a chill situation. I think that they probably have made all their bad mistakes already. Um, and if they're if they're coming back, then they believe in this process. So I say chill. Hooks up on a reality television show when they already have someone back home. 
Ooh, yeah, that's something that happens a lot on our show, for sure. I think that's a run for the hills thing. That's a, because then it's like, what, what are your motivations? Are your motivations just to be on a TV show and gain f- Instagram followers? Well, that's what I was um, going to say. What if, what if the hookup is strictly for storyline to, and to increase and to increase their engagement and the following on that season? Yeah, I think that that's a run for the hills situation, but I also don't think you that don't those say. things are, I don't think those things are mutually exclusive though. I think that you can find somebody and, and together grow your brand or something and still be in love, I hope. Which brings me to my next uh, topic here. You managed to do something that very few people in this world have managed to do, and that is find love, not on reality TV, not on The Bachelor, but through direct messaging. Yeah. Your now wife, Mrs. Sarah Hyland, who everybody knows very well. Now, let me get this straight because we've had this conversation before. Who DM'd who first? Did Sarah slide into yours or did you slide into hers? Or is it kind of like a mutual slide? No. So she tweeted about me. Okay. What'd she say? What was the tweet? Okay. So I had, I had referenced two books in like a, an after show. I, I, I said that for Chad, for bad Chad, I said, I was worried that, um, we were the Lord of the flies kids and we were treating him like piggy. And then I also referenced Harry Potter and said, let's just not say his name. He's like Voldemort. He, you know, he mm-hmm. cannot be named. And so I had referenced two books and she tweeted out, oh my God, I didn't know people from The Bachelor could read. I like this guy or something like that. And to which I was like, that's a good tweet. That's pretty funny. Um, and wow. then, so then I, I think I responded probably to that, like it just maybe liked it or retweeted or something. I'm about and, to tweet out right now uh, yeah. on Twitter. Just read a <laughs> great book. <laughs> yeah. Maybe an A-list celebrity, maybe an A-lister will slide into my fucking DMs, yeah. dude. Uh, yeah. Margot Robbie. What yeah. books do you oh, like? Um, <laughs> Fifty Shades of Grey. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then the the second thing was that when they announced me as the batch, uh, as the bartender in Bachelor in Paradise, she tweeted out like, oh my God, this is the best news ever. We get to see Wells like every, you know, every week on Paradise. To which I responded wow. to that, like, I'm I'm taking applications for barbacks, but I'm going to need a reference, preferably from Phil Dumphy. And like, that was like my like quippy response. And then after that, I DM'd her. Gotcha. Okay. So she tweeted to me first and then I DM'd her. So this is almost like a bumble situation where she made yeah. the first move. Absolutely. Yes, see, she did. See, but well, the funny it, man, you're over here being like, oh, I'm not like the jacked up, like most handsome guy on the show, blah, blah, blah. But it's like, you obviously did something right. She ain't fucking DMing uh, Jordan. Yeah, it's very true. Uh, and but what's fun, uh, the funny part about that story is, is that I was talking with her and texting with her for like, a couple months. And I remember telling my sister, I was like, I can't believe it, but I think the, you know, the girl from modern family is like really into me. And my sister was like, okay, hold on. This doesn't check out. So she looked her up and she was like, dude, no way, no way, dude. So she looked into it and, and my sister was like, dude, she's got a boyfriend. He is an actor. Like he's well-known. Like you read the, read this all wrong. And, and I was like, oh damn, dude, I, I, yeah, that's, that's embarrassing. Catfished. 
Uh, and so then I kind of ghosted. I was like, well, I don't want to be that guy. So I'm, you know, she's got a boyfriend then I'm not that guy. So then I just stopped talking to her. So I ghosted her. Ooh, so then yeah. another season came the back old around. radio silence. Yeah. And she, and then she tweeted about me again a year later and I started DMing her again, come to find out she was single that entire time. But like when, sometimes when you're in like really high profile relationships, you don't release that information early. And she was like, I thought you knew that. And I was like, how would I know that? Why would I know that that's what happens in Hollywood? I don't know that. And she was like, you're a dick for ghosting me. I like, well, did you I blame your sister? You should have blamed your sister. I did. And yeah. you know, what's funny is as Marisa was in my, in my wedding as a, as a groomswoman. So she redeemed herself. She was like, you know what? We would have been together for an entire yeah. a whole other year. <laughs> year, yeah. Wasn't for yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. Um, how do you guys? Because this is this is uh, the and again, uh, I mean, you and I kind of share a similar uh, realm, but obviously Sarah's been unscripted. I'm I'm sorry, scripted. How do you guys manage to keep your private life private yet still letting enough out there because you're both public figures? Because I'll tell you what, it's very difficult. I know this from experience being in a public relationship with someone who's also part of the, you know, reality television or entertainment realm, but keep your private life private and your public life public, but let enough out there where you're still, you know, living kind of your life the way it needs to be lived. Yeah, it's a high wire balancing act, I think, for sure. Um uh, yeah, I think that there are some things that are off limits for us, but for the most part, I think that we do want to document like the fun that we're having. Um, but it does get a little squirrely, especially with like safety things. And that's something that like I never really thought about until we started dating. She's in such a different stratosphere of fame where people will will hang out outside of our house, like paparazzi will, will just wait for us to leave. And that's a little bit of a scary thing. We do want to share our, our, our world, but we have to, it has to be like delayed because if they know where you are at that moment, they can yeah. come find you. And so that's a weird thing of like, so you're posting your Christmas pics like now. Yeah. Like, yes, exactly. Everything's delayed. Like if we go on vacation, <laughs> people will be like, where have you been? Be like, well, we've been on vacation. And then we start posting it. And yeah. And they're like, when was this? I, I'm here right now. And I'm like, no, that was like a month ago. So, so your guys' that's posting thing. on social media is like, have you ever been to Europe and the songs they're listening to, they're just hot there now? Yeah. Or, like hot <laughs> yes. in the US like six months prior? Yeah. You guys are like, um, you guys are like music that hits Europe, like, you know, a lot longer than it, than it should have. All right. Well, I mean, because again, dude, that's, I mean, listen, I'm still trying to figure out the uh, the secret because it's a difficult realm. And again, I think, the world that I live in also, and I, and, and I'm not sure how bachelor and bachelorette fans are, but there are so many, I feel like the tractors out there. And I feel like there are so many trolls out there. And I feel like there are so many people that are just unhappy and not well-adjusted that if they see other people happy, especially people in the reality television realm or entertainment realm, it's like, they want to like bring them down. So it's like every time I've been in some sort of a public relationship with somebody else, potentially from the show, I mean, dude, it's just like the amount of just negativity that just gets dumped. I can't even go out in public sometimes yeah. because if I do, I'm like, who's going to snap a picture of me at some angle that looks compromising because I'm taking a picture of someone or giving a hug, DM it and, you know, post it on TikTok, maybe like a, a complete piece of shit. Like, I mean, it's, it, it, it's tough, man. And to be in a relationship in the, again, in that public realm where there's like 
trust given the amount of uh you know what you're exposed to it's 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 a it's a tough balance dude but you guys have managed to do it i've always found it interesting um because i'm i'm relatively recognizable and um well known at this point but but sarah is so very recognizable and and so very kind of famous but the way that we're treated in public is so different and so i've thought about it a lot it's because Sarah doesn't play Sarah on TV. She plays yes. Haley Dumphy or she plays mm-hmm. Heidi or whatever. So people don't feel like they really know her. They know what she looks like and they know that she's a good actress, but they don't really know her. Whereas you and myself, we play ourselves on TV. So when people f- see us, they're like, oh, I know him. I, I, I know his personality. I know, I know all about him. They have, they have ownership of us. And it's really funny when you go to bars, especially when people are drinking a little bit where they'll like kind of get handsy with you or, or like talk to you like they know you because they think that they do because they see you on TV. And I always find that different, uh, so interesting when I'm with Sarah, well, they'll be very standoffish to her, but they'll like, Yep. Grab me and be like, let's take a picture. Come on, motherfucker. Let's take a shot. And I'm like, whoa, bro. You're so <laughs> this right. This is insane. Man. You're so right. And I just, and, and it is, I've, I have people come up to me who are like, oh my God, on season such and such, like whatever, when you did this, I'm like, I don't even remember that happening. But there are people who have been watching me. I just turned 41 when we were the same age in our early 20s. There are people who have been following me for like 18 years and I have 18 years of experience. So the same thing that when they come up to me, they literally look at me and they're like, I feel like I know you. I know yeah. everything about you. I've never met this person in my entire life. I know nothing about them. So yeah, yeah. it is a wild, wild situation. Um, tell us a little bit about what you're working on right now. Uh, the projects that you're working on, anything you want to plug, uh, where people can find you on the socials. Wait, real quick. Can I ask some, some challenge questions? Hell yeah, dude. I just didn't okay. want to keep you. I didn't want to keep you too long. No, man. no, 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 you no. no. I, I felt really bad because I like, I, I, on my podcast, uh, your everything podcast, me and Brady Cyrus as a plug. Um, we were talking about the challenge of which I like, I wasn't a fan of the challenge when I met you. I remember you like showing clips. So we had like some context, but then when I came home, I was like, we got to watch Johnny's show. And we've become so obsessed with the challenge. And the last season, August 10th challenge USA premieres on CBS. Okay. Dope. And you, you on it? Oh, am I on it? Come on, bro. I am the challenge, motherfucker. I know. Is CT on it? Uh, I can't say. Is Wes on it? I mean, come on. You, you, you. Okay, whatever. So the I'll, last, I'll, the, I'll, I'll blink twice if he is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, good. So I was so annoyed, and I wanted to know like how you perceive this, because obviously I know that there's a lot of things that were cut out, but I was so annoyed about how Tori was treating the Jordan situation when her partner was like, you need to, we need to be making decisions together. We don't need to be worrying about your ex fiance. So, and then on my podcast, I was like, this is ridiculous that you guys aren't, you guys didn't get married. Like something happened. You don't owe this person anything. And it seems like you're fucking up your gameplay because you're so concerned about your ex fiance. And the way that it read on TV was you're still in love with them. And that's sad. And stop it. What is your take on it? You, you got to realize they met on the challenge, right? So their relationship started on the challenge and that's just kind of how it is. Usually people, once you work with them and once they're like in an alliance and once this is someone that has your back, there's a carryover effect season to season. And I think even though they had split up 
And even though they were no longer together, and even though they were no longer together in like a romantic, intimate capacity, their challenge relationship, and I think uh, on her and on him, I think they both still put a lot of stock in that and a lot of value in that. And neither one of them, I think, will ever do the other one wrong. But yeah, looking back, I can understand why she was doing it. It's nice to have a bunch of allies. It just read on TV that she was protecting someone that was like always expecting to be protected by her, but not getting it back. And it seemed like a little manipulative in on his part and then like kind of sad on hers. Anyways, I don't know her, but if you, when you see her next time, tell her that I'm sorry that I, I talked about it on my podcast, but I, you know, something that I, I felt it's a certain she's, way about it. She's got thick skin. And again, yeah. dude, it's like, you see again, what, 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 what you see on TV and you know, this from being on, on the bachelor is a edited version of real events so yeah you know and 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 once you get that the other thing is on this show man once you get that close to the final where they were when that happened when you're like right there knocking on the door and you look at the numbers and they've dwindled to the point where you're like i need every fucking vote yeah you will do whatever you have to say whatever you have to cut whosever throat you have to in order to just make it to the next day you know what i mean so yeah yeah. Well, it's a great show. I'm, I'm excited for the the next season. I'm glad it's on CBS. I'm glad yeah, you're, you're getting some network love. That's important. Leveling up, bro. White collar. Yeah. White collar. Yeah. So yeah, you'll have to you have to check it out. So you have um, your show on Hulu. Yeah. So there's a show on Hulu called Best in Dough. It's a pizza cooking competition show that I host, um, and it's great. Go watch that. Uh, there's ten episodes out now. And it's fun if you, especially if you like cooking competitions. Um, I have a podcast with Brandy Cyrus, so Miley Cyrus's older sister and Billy Ray Cyrus's daughter, um, that I've been doing with her. That's it. Going back to my radio days, I've known her way back in my Nashville days. And it's called Your Favorite Thing Podcast, where basically we just talk about what our favorite things are. So our favorite TV shows, our favorite movies, our music, books, all that kind of stuff. It's just kind of pop culture. It's really what my morning show was years ago. And it just kind of evolved into that. I do a cooking podcast with Tyler Florence, who actually was your uh, mentor mentor on on Worst Cooks. Um, The show is called Two Dudes in the Kitchen. We just talk about food. I'm the dummy that doesn't know anything about cooking. He obviously is an award-winning chef. Shut it, Wes. You beat me in a cooking competition. But I will say, I think... Do not call me Wes. All right? I I know you... You said said Wes. I know that's a a tough, touchy subject for you is your relationship with Wes. I'm used to people. You know what? That's why, because... (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Usually when I, when, when, when I get triggered, Wes is the first name out of my mouth. Um, no, I do. I will say this. You definitely turned it on. I was not expecting you to step up the way you did in that final, but I also think just from a network perspective, Food net the food networks looking at it's like, okay, we've got two guys. They both did really well. We've got, we've got this, 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 this unhinged lunatic from MTV's The Challenge. And then We've got America's favorite from The Bachelor and Bachelorette engaged to Sarah Hyland from from Modern Family. I think we got it. We got to give it. We got to give it to Wells. More on brand. Um, you were more on brand. You let's just let's be real. You were more on brand. I'm still upset. There was one. T- there was one day that we were filming that we were learning how to like debone a fish, and Johnny cut the head off a trout or something, and he winged it across the studio at my face. And 
if I didn't catch that motherfucker like I was Willie Mays. Dude, and you and, caught it with one hand, I know, right? it was yes. boom, caught it. Yes, yes. And I remember being like, don't throw fish at me <laughs> or whatever. Uh, and I remember being like, this this is the single best moment of my life on television. No one would have thought that I would have caught this slimy fish head from all the way across. The, and they cut it. And I'm so bummed because it was, it was pretty great. Yeah, man. Well, you know what? Sometimes the best stuff hits the editing room floor. You and I, <laughs> yeah. you and I both know that. Oh um, yeah. All right. And then the socials, Wells Adams across the board. Yep. At Wells Adams. I'm on TikTok and uh Instagram and Threads. Twitter. Yeah. Have, and you threads. Threads? Have you got on threads? Have you got on threads? I got on threads. I don't I, it's Me just too. Twitter, I guess. It's the same but... thing. I'll just go from one Twitter to the next. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I will I will say I'm annoyed though, is a lot of people think that I'm following them now on Instagram. Like I've got people who I follow on Instagram who are like sending me screenshots of it's like, well, I started following you. And it's on Instagram. And I'm like, no, I've always followed you. This is me following you on threads. Because oh, when so I signed people, up for it, so I was people like, people are thinking you're a jerk. You haven't been following yeah, and this I'm whole not. time. I, I was like, I've been following you this entire time. Just now I'm not okay, following you on this other bullshit I, thing. I actually felt like that for a second when I, I, when I saw yeah. you were following me. I'm like, oh, oh. Yeah. Oh, welcome to the party. Really? I see yeah. how it is. I just, you know what? You don't show up for one person's wedding and they fucking unfollow <laughs> you on the socials. Well, you know, whenever you get married, I better be invited. That's all I'm saying. You might want to pack a lunch, my friend. It's yeah, going to be a while. Might be a while. Okay. <laughs> might be a bit. Um, all right, dude. Unless, hey, unless you invite, unless you guys do your wedding renewal thing and I go to this, what is it? Space Doc Cowboy table or what was it? Sexbot Island. There you go. Sexbot yeah. Island table. Damn. There's a lot of hot people uh, at Sexbot uh, Island. All right. I don't want to hear about it, man. You're giving me, I'm, I have FOMO from something that happened six months ago. <laughs> all right, Wells. Well, listen, man, it's been a hell of a time chatting with you, dude. I'm so proud of all your success and everything you've accomplished and proud to call you my friend. And who knows, maybe one day in the near future, the Bachelor will be in paradise. I, listen, I would love nothing more than for Johnny Bananas to be the Bachelor. It would, <laughs> God, Let's do it. speak it, it into would, existence. Please, it, Lord, make this happen. It would break reality TV. All right, brother. <laughs> well, listen, thank you for stopping by the Death Taxes and Bananas podcast where the tea flows like wine and my guests instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. I'm Oprah. And I love you. Rocky Mountains. That John Denver's full of shit. <laughs>